because I kept calling the internet or the telephone company. And I said, can you guys get me high speed? internet?" like, no, sorry, there's just not enough demand in your area. So then finally, after calling enough, I realized, well, I should go create the demand. So I dream of her did it. I went to all my neighbors. I got them to sign this piece of paper that said, Hey, if they offer high speed internet, will you take it? And they're like, sure. I, and I got like 11 out of 12. The, the 12th guy, I think asked me what the internet was. <laughs> yeah, like Maybe, maybe like ethically, let's not get you on this list. But, um, yeah. So then the next time I called the internet or the phone company, I said, Hey, you get, can you bring internet to, to me? And they're like, no, Dana, sorry. Again, there's not demand. I'm like, hold your horses. <laughs> other people ready to sign up. And then bam, within a month, I had a line out there, high speed internet. But basically uh, how I got into the now professionally, the dream of hundred is after reading that chapter on, on the dream of hundred, I, I knew like that was my thing I needed to, to sort of do more of. So I searched all over and there was just no more information on it. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and we are live with the man, the actual myth. I think there's a lot of myth around this guy. Just, he's just this, this weird goat farmer, dude. Dana Derricks, man. What's up? Welcome to Think Different Theory. What's up, all you cool cats and kittens? Good to be here. Oh, my gosh. Is that how we're starting this episode out? Is that, is that um, where's that from? Is that uh, Tiger King? Is that what oh, that yeah. is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't watched it. Is it good? Oh, yeah, man. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's not even, even if there wasn't a quarantine, it would still be as big as it is. Really? It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. So fill me in. What's the premise of it? I, I know nothing about it other than the fact that there's this dude that deals with tigers and everybody goes crazy about it. That's, that's all I know. All right. So it's so hard to summarize, but basically there's this crazy meth head, gay mullet, gun-toting dude from Oklahoma who has a, the largest collection of tigers in the world. And uh, he runs it like a shit show. And uh, a whole bunch of crazy stuff happens. I don't want to spoil it too bad, but um, there's nothing that can ever compare to it from anything you've seen to this point. So, like, but what's the like? What's the goal of it? Or is it is it just chaos? I think okay. So that's half the story. The other half of the story is there's a even crazier lady that I just uh, like um, quoted that owns a big cat rescue which is the opposite of a zoo right that the other guy owns and they were arch nemesis essentially and so they were battling back and forth to the point where um spoiler alert but the uh the one dude's now in jail because he tried to kill her um (laughs) so the the second half of like the the series is him interviewed from jail um so yeah wait so it's like a documentary oh yeah oh yeah it chronicles like the whole thing Wait, so this is like real life events? 
yes, it's the docu series. It's it is a I believe real. Um, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> to it, is. it is real from what I can, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll have People to get like on that. it. They live amongst us, my man. Isn't that crazy? We got some. We got some whack job. I mean, well, that, and then there's you and I. So I mean, like you're a goat farmer, and I'm a 26 year old that made money online somehow. I mean, we're all kind of crazy, right? L- let's talk about you, man. You're a goat farmer. That's this mystical, been on the cover of Forbes, mastermind genius copywriter who charges two thousand five hundred dollars for a book and gets it. Like, who are who's Dana Derricks? How'd you like? Who are you, dude? <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, so I'm a farm kid from the Northwoods of, of Wisconsin. I'm still here. Like, uh, I, I don't fit in in cities. I don't fit in on jets. Like, I'm not, that's not me. So I'm kind of a, an online entrepreneur, a lot like you, Josh, uh, a lot like the people probably listening, uh, but more so trapped in a farm kid's body. That's, that's kind of who I am. Huh. So, I mean, I grew up on a farm from, so I, I grew up actually from like in, in the suburbs of Los Angeles until the age 11. But then like my age 11, my parents were like, we hate LA, we hate the city, we're going to a farm. And so they literally sold our house. My dad quit his job, packed us all in the back of an RV and we just drove and we ended up in Indiana. And uh, my mom's from Wisconsin, so kind of close um, there. And so I grew up on a farm for the next 10 years there. And then I left the farm community, more or less, came out, got into the internet marketing game, but I love the farm town. But like, how did you get into copywriting? Cause that's, that's your specialty, right? More or less. I mean, you're known yeah. for your, your wizard like copywriting skills. I, yeah, that some people say that. So let me back up a step. So did you go on, on Rumspringer? Is that how you left or how did it? I, I left because, well, I tried to do farming. I started a farming business. I mean, in the farming business, you know, you just kind of Hey buddy, you want to go do some farm stuff? It's like, heck yeah, let's do it. And that's, that was our <laughs> yeah. business type deal. But, um, the guy who partnered up, I partnered up with his wife through about a year and a half into it, divorced him. And it's a farm community. Nobody, nobody signs contracts, right? There's no paperwork. It's just kind of, Hey, you got your word. You got your word. Well, that doesn't hold up in court. So she won. And basically, I mean, we didn't technically file for bankruptcy, but she basically bankrupt the company, took all the money, sold all the equipment and left. So I was like, well, that sucks. And so um, I went to college and in one semester, not even one semester, I was like, yeah, no, um, <laughs> and, and uh, dropped out and then just went on my thing, got a job in sales, didn't like that, tried around, hopped around and stumbled across the online space. So mine was this rebellious, not, I didn't, it's not that I hated the farm community, I actually really love farming, but I was just like, I want to get rich, like I want to make some money right? <laughs> and farming wasn't cutting it for me. So I was Dude, 20, 22 probably. Good for you. So you gave it a, the old college try though. I give yeah. you credit for that. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I, tr- I tried it for, I tried it for, I almost made it a full semester almost. And then I got into an argument with my permes- uh, professor and he was trying to convince us. He, so I was the Republican uh, capitalist totem, you know, person that I am today, um, except even way more egotistical. And um, he was like, you're here at college because you want to be successful in life. And he had spent the whole first half of the semester just bashing capitalism, right? And I was like, I am not at college because I want to be successful. Like, I could be successful without it. And he goes, then why are you here? I was like, well, I'm not going to get shown up. So I just stood up and walked out. <laughs> Good for you, man. I wish like, oh, yeah. more kids had the to do that. <laughs> um, I escaped farming uh, because when I was like, I don't know, like 14 years old, I was uh, paid... $15 per load, uh, to, per wagon to unload 
bales of hay and put them into the haymow. 15 and, bucks. Yeah. It was, which was good money. Yeah. Really. Back then. Yeah. But, right. But I hated it so much. Like I'll never forget like the feeling of like being sweaty. And then that, the like piece, like the little particles of hay sticking to you. It's I so freak, right. And then when you go to blow your nose and like, there's like hay in it, like this is not what I want to do with my life. So I yeah. started like digging around on eBay and stuff as a kid. Like I'll spend an hour on eBay and make 15 bucks way before I would spend an hour on a hay wagon, you know? Yeah. So that's what like snapped me out of it. But fast forward to get into the copywriting thing, uh, in college, I was probably similar to you. I didn't fit in at all <laughs> that mold, but, uh, I was not doing well and I was broke. And I, uh, um, I, this st story goes basically, I went to Taco Bell and I swiped my card for $4 and it got declined. Oh, no. like, the worst thing ever. And the, I mean, the cashier, this kid is like, totally like belligerent has no people skills whatsoever screams basically to the whole restaurant that oh it was declined <laughs> you know like can you be graceful about it like yeah. i can read it on my side of the damn screen it says decline. Right, so right. anyway i get the hell out of there i say i'm never living like this again i i that moment I, i'm saying i'm putting my life into my own hands i'm not trusting like anybody else to do anything for me so the next day i got a 500 dollars credit card went to barnes and noble physically filled up a shopping cart with every business book I could maxed out the card. First book I read, I spent six months reading first book I read. And I said, screw college. It's not going to help me. Um, first book I read was horrible. I don't remember what it was like um, accounting or something. Yeah. Second book I read was a Dan Kennedy book, just Ooh. A, divine, a divine intervention. No kidding. Yes. The second in this, I wasn't a reader by the way. I don't same. Yeah. Goosebumps. Like yeah. as a kid, right? Like that's what I read. But, um, yeah, Dan Kennedy, uh, and then that got me in the wormhole with like Russell Brunson and all that other stuff, and how obviously we met. But yeah, that's what got how, me into it. How, how did you meet Russell? Because I know for those people that don't know you, a lot of people do know you because of the Dream One Hundred. And by the way, we're going to talk about this. The Dream One Hundred, dude, changed my freaking life, like a hundred percent. I mean, my first big successful. I mean, like. I've, I've dream 100, a lot of different people, but I haven't really done it successfully. My first successful dream 100 was Steve Larson. That one relationship, like boom, changed the trajectory of my life. And now it's Russell Brunson. And now it's, you know, the other, these other people that were dream 100, we'll get into that. But how did you meet Russell? Where, where, Cause that was, you met him pre click funnels, didn't you? Um, so I met him at the beginning of click funnels. I was one beginning, of the first okay. users. Yep. Okay. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'm a fast mover. So I read dot-com secrets and I was making money, um, but I wasn't doing really well at all by any means. And then I went and implemented a lot of the stuff uh, from dot-com secrets and literally instantly doubled my business overnight just by implementing some of that stuff. Um, insane. And then, <laughs> right. No, seriously insane. Yeah. Like what people could like the resources we have. Right. Um, but then, yeah, dude, everybody needs to read that more than once. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I joined click funnels and you know, started building funnels, which I'd already built funnels, but like through WordPress, like right. The hard right. way. Right. Yeah. Like, like the old fashioned ones. Yeah. So this was like just whatever. And then, um, I saw that Russell had an inner circle available and, um, I, within days, man, I sent a one way wire, um, 
to him to join his inner circle. And uh, when the first time I met him, I was like starstruck and like shocked, and, like, <laughs> awkward, like, you know what I mean? I was like a stereotypical little guy that knows nobody and like, oh my God, that's Russell right there. But that's how and, it began. And most people don't know that about Russell and he's much better now, but he used to be so awkward when you'd meet him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At the beginning, <laughs> he was, that was, it made me more nervous because of how nervous he was. Right. You know, to meet right. Me. Oh. Right. Yeah. Right. The first time I ever met him was, um, at the first 10 X growth con that he, that, that Grant ever did. It was, and he closed like half the room, right? It was the, the story of how he blew away Grant, right? Why well, I met him and I walked up to him and I was like, Russell, I've been following you for a year. Your book made me my first six figures. I'm a huge fan, right? The typical fan type. And he's just, he just looks at me and goes, awesome, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. Can I get a picture? You know, sure. And that was it. And then I, we took the picture and off we go. It was so funny. Okay. So, so how long, how old are you now? Uh, 29. You, no, you're not. Yeah. No way. Yeah, man. What do you think I was like 40? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not in your twenties. No, bro. I've been going to the bar since I was like 16 without an ID. I look old. You do look old. How old do you think I am? I would have, I would have said definitely like late twenties. Okay. 26. Yeah. 26 is, yeah, that, I would say you look older than that. All right. I get young all the time. Dude, I get, I still get ID'd all the time. Okay. I'm, I sh actually, I shouldn't say I was basing it on looks. I should say more of maturity and like oh, success thanks. level. But, Thank yeah, you. I appreciate that. You do that. look like a, look like you're 20. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> Physically. I, yeah. I, I'm a baby face for sure. Okay. So how long, how long from the time you started reading this book that you drop out of college or you leave college, whatever, like Dan, Dan, you start reading Dan Kennedy till we enter Russell Brunson into your life. Yeah. What's questions. the timeline? So I actually did get a degree and um, oh, okay. yeah, the reason isn't because I thought it was a good idea or I wanted it. My, my dad guilted me into it. So I basically did it just to shut him up. Um, did he pay but, for it? Oh no, no. <laughs> um, which I appreciate. I appreciate that. He <laughs> right, right, right. But, right. And he didn't tell me to do it. I just knew that he would make, it would disappoint him to not get it. One yeah. of those things. But anyway, so, um, yeah, my sophomore year in college, I, uh, was pretty broke Taco Bell thing. Six months later, um, I had built a business that, you know, was, uh, at a six figure run rate a year later. So now I'm into my, um, senior year of college. Uh, I was, so I, I had made six figures my junior year. So zero negative, my freshman and sophomore, and then uh, six figures, my junior, uh, senior year, I was making 336 K, uh, in college and which I looked it up and it was actually more than the president of the university. Um, which is <laughs> shocking, but the funny part is just like you, I'm, they made me go to class. They like, you know, the marketing professor is sitting there telling me stuff when I'm like, dude, you just, you're not even in my ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> no, offense. no offense, but geez, like you flunked out of the real world. Like, but anyway, um, so yeah, after college, I think it was one year out. So I read dot-com secrets, probably soft, well, maybe sophomore or junior year. Um, no, it was probably junior or senior because I was already making money. Um, that's that's where that boost came from, by the way. It was like dot-com secrets, like mostly. So from one to three um, was a lot to do with that. And then right after college, I joined the inner circle. Um, so it was probably about two years from the moment I read the book. Two years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you said in your story that I think is interesting, and I want to touch on this because this is a, I feel like this is such a relatable point, is you said I was, um, I was just getting started. I had no idea what I was doing and I was broke. <laughs> right. 
And I feel like that is this, like the prerequisite, the thing that everybody comes to at one point or another in their life when you're an entrepreneur, right? I mean, maybe not everybody, but for the most part, I mean, I certainly was there. A lot of other people have been there. And a lot of people are there now or they're close to there, right? Maybe they're not quite there. Maybe that happened a year ago from there. And it's like, I'm just trying to figure it all out, right? Like I'm just trying to put the pieces together to like expedite that, to get that accelerant growth. And I feel like for me, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. For me, I learned how to make money long, long, long before I learned how to build a business. And for me, it was Instagram. That's how I made my money, right? Because that was what was there. For you, it was copywriting. For someone that's in that position, that's like, I'm just trying to figure it out, but man, dude, I'm looking at my bank account and I've got just enough money to pay bills next month, right? Like, and that's, that's what I'm working with right now. What, like, where do you start? Like, what's the next step? What'd yeah. you do? Such a good question. So first of all, stop looking for the like next hack. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like you've already tried the last thousand and then where are you at? You know, like, let's be real. Okay. So for me, it's like, and I just actually talked about this on a summit for chiropractors that, you know, that business is obviously tough times right now. Um, so it, it comes down to like, you got to help yourself by figuring out what is lucrative, right? Like at some point, just like Josh figured out with sales, he decided to sell something that was very sought after and very profitable, right? Like that's fair to say. Yeah. 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 For sure. Like what did you start selling? By the way, I'm curious. We, we literally, the first thing that I ever sold was Instagram services. Well, so audience, you know, audience growth, Instagram followers. Um, we did Instagram account management, but that was back in the day when sure it was stupid easy to grow on Instagram. And I was just like, all right, sweet. I, nobody else was doing it though. So I was right. like, sweet people will pay for this. I can do it. And so we would charge literally Instagram growth services where, where we started. That's awesome. And then I'm sure you crept up your prices over time and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Started, so 500 bucks, my first sale, 2,500 bucks, five grand, 10 grand and up from there. Yeah. Same thing with my book progression. So what, what I would say for everyone that's in that position, or maybe even if you're not, you're past that, you still a good exercise is help yourself by figuring out what is the most lucrative thing that you could sell that's within the realm of what you're good at. Right. So for me, it wasn't, it was divine that that book was the second book I read, but the book that, but the Dan Kennedy book, it was going to be in my cart because I knew that I had a gift and that was writing, but I also knew I didn't want to be like, for example, my uncle, um, he was making like $15 a day, right? Writing newspaper articles, great writer. But I'm like, dude, I'm not doing that. No way. Like I want to know what the most lucrative profession of writing is. So I Googled it mm. and I found immediately copywriting. No, it's bar none. Like yeah. I can make for the same amount of time I can make thousands per hour as opposed to dollars per hour, like my uncle. So I'm like, okay. So that was me stacking my own deck and knowing that copywriting is a lane that I might want to explore. I told the Kairos yesterday, like help yourself here for a second. Like what is the highest margin? Google it if you have to ask people, what's the highest margin service adjustment uh, package that, that, it, that you can sell, right? Like stop selling the cheap stuff. Okay. And then double down on that niche down and, and become the best at that thing. And then if you like, if you build around that, the money will follow as long as you do a good job and you do the right things. Hmm. So you're basically like, don't focus on hacks. I mean, I think guys, if we haven't learned that by now, I mean, you just, you're putting yourself in your own misery and you kind of deserve it. So don't, don't, don't focus on hacks. 
So you're saying it's like, hey, I'm, I sat down and was like, what can, what can I do that will make me the most amount of money in the shortest period of time? What, what from a skill set perspective? Correct. Leveraging right? a God-given skill. So if someone's sitting there going, okay, I'm not a writer, but you're like, all right, maybe you're not a writer, but maybe you're good at talking to people. Maybe you're not good at talking to people, but maybe you're really good at, you know, doing videos or, you know, you're, maybe you're really good at whatever, whatever industry that you're in or, or thing that you're passionate about look at the industry as a whole and go, what is the highest paid position here? Exactly. Who like for the video example, what is the most valuable video? Like, right? Like probably something that sells something. So like an infomercial, for example, well, try and crack into that space. Cause instead of, you know, for example, like a, a, um, maybe a wedding videographer making a wedding video, you might get 1500 bucks. I don't know what the number is, but right, right. for, for a, an infomercial, that's going to make millions of dollars. You're probably going to get a lot more money for the same amount of work, yeah. right? Yeah, and I feel like what's interesting and that I've noticed in sales, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, is like making money basically follows the same format no matter what. Like you basically just learn the psychology of how people make decisions and like apply it to anything, right? Yeah, it's just solving problems. Yeah. It's not, it's not complicated. Because like when I first started making big money, and big money, I mean big money for my, 23 year old self at the time. Right. But when I was making, I went from making $25,000 a year to 50,000 in a month. Right. I mean, that's a pretty freaking significant jump. It was, I learned sales. Like I learned how to sell things and I would get on the phone with people and it didn't matter what it was. I'd figure out a way to convince them that it was worth X number of dollars. And I mean, it was right. I mean, it was being super ethical about it, but like I learned that process and as I've gone and I've learned how to do funnels now and I've learned how to do sales videos now and I've learned how to do webinars now or challenges now or whatever, it's all the exact same process, but it's just done in like a different format. But if you understand like the core thing, and so I think like one of the, the big misconceptions about something is, is like, oh my gosh, I've got to learn all this stuff. And it's like, really, you've got to learn like one or two core things and then the rest of it, either A, you can learn very quickly or you can hire it out and like 80% of the, the details don't matter. You just need the, the core piece. Yeah? Amen. 100%. Uh, perfect example. One of my books, uh, actually all of my books, uh, it's either love it or hate it. So a lot of people love it because the content is bar none, some of the best there is. But a lot of people hate it because the, there's typos and there's formatting issues. And there, you know, I didn't use a publisher. I used myself. And it's hilarious because it filters the people that don't get it. They don't get the bigger picture. Yeah. Because you know what's worse than having a book that gets a little bit of criticism for typos? Not having a book. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I agree sure. wholeheartedly. The details don't really matter. Okay. So let's talk about the books here because I, I, I want to transition to this. I read um, your Dream 100 book. It was the first book. Like that's how I got to get introduced to you. And I read it and I was like, there is, I mean, it is actually just a book, right? It's a great book. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, what, how did you figure out I can sell this book for $2,500 or whatever it is? I don't even know what you're selling yet. Now I think it was $2,500 at the time. Like to some people that's this, this completely astronomical. I remember, I think it was my mom. I told, I was like, yeah, this guy sells this book for 2,500 bucks. And she's like, that's absolutely ridiculous, right? How could a book? possibly be worth and mom i'm not bashing you at all you know my mom knows i love her right but like is that this is such a foreign concept to somebody it's like okay it costs you nine nine you know nine bucks to print it you make your ten dollar profit margins 
contents don't matter because most people are not teaching you skills. How did you figure out, holy crap, I can sell a book for 2,500 bucks? Okay. So uh, for the people that, first of all, it is fair to be shocked by that. So if anyone's never heard that before, that's fair. I don't blame you. I would think the same. Uh, but like, it, I'll just like use another analogy. Like this stuff happens already. Okay. A, a, for people that know cars, a Lexus is a Toyota with a different badge. Yeah. Like it's the same car, same, pretty much everything's the same. Well, and I, even if you look at like, like if you go into the repair, my dad was a car, like loved cars and car mechanics, or whatever. Like if you go so many of the parts for Lexus, like if you own a Lexus, we used to have like an older one, you actually just go and you take it to the Toyota dealership. They'll just put Toyota parts on them. Like it's literally the same exact thing. Right. But the reason people buy it is because it looks nicer and it gives them better status than a, a Toyota, I suppose. Um, so a little bit different. That's not like how mine works. Like my book is still a book, but uh, here's how it began. I was selling a service and uh, part of like what I was never good at was like the operational side of things and the systemization side of things. And I'm kind of like uh, obsessed about my reputation. So I had a hard time outsourcing stuff just because I wanted to be a quality control freak because I was charging so much money. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I bet you get that. Um, so I basically uh, needed a way to scale my service. So I said, well, why don't I just write a book and show people how to do it? This was like back before, like I knew how to do a course. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know the internet very well. So I'm like, I can write, I'm going to write a book. So I, my first book, I was basically showing people how to fish instead of catching the fish. And the service that I was showing them how to do instead of doing it for them, uh, showing them how to do it on their own, I was charging 10 grand. So I started researching like, okay, what, how much money can you make on a book? And I realized that the way books are sold and purchased right now, it, or then and now still, it didn't make sense. Like they're one of the only objects I've ever seen on earth that is not priced according to its value. It's yeah. just priced at 20 bucks because publishers say it should be. That's it. So I'm like, there's no way I'm going to sell a $10,000 service for $20. That doesn't make sense. So I'm, right. like, I'm going to sell it for 300 bucks because a thousand seems crazy to me, but uh, <laughs> uh, it absolutely took off and blew up. Um, and the funniest part is, uh, actually, I didn't start it at 300 bucks, but I started it at uh, 50 bucks. And uh, that workbook, I've sold thousands of copies at 300 bucks um, a copy to all over the world. And that's my original high ticket book, I guess. And long story short, uh, when I had it priced at 50 bucks, like when I first tested it, uh, the feedback was horrendous. Cause it, really? is, it's, yeah, it's this little book right here. It's 97 pages. It's soft cover. And, uh, when people received it and it was 50 bucks, they're like, are you kidding me? This it's only this thin and you charged a hundred dollars for this. Are you kidding? So it's clear they didn't read it. And then when right, I got right. the price, 300 bucks, nothing but praises, every single person praised it. And the funniest part is it was the same book, exact same book. <laughs> Why, why it, so here's my theory on it. First of all, uh, the people that bought it for 50 bucks, they didn't buy, they didn't read it. They, they just judged it and said, I got ripped off. So, so, uh, my theory is the, the more people spend, the less they want, the more to the point they want it, right? The less they spend, the more they expect and the more they want because, uh, they have less capability of making a bad investment. Right. Right. Hmm. That's super. So the, the cover, like the name of the book, everything was the same. Absolutely. Everything was the same. Everything. You changed absolutely no details. So, so right. it's like, uh, 
if you're going to buy a $50 book, you don't put much thought into that. And then you, you go and you're like, all right, cool. $50 book oh, has a sexy cover for it. Cool. You get it. And then you're wildly disappointed because it's a hundred pages long and you're like, well, this is a ripoff. But all of a sudden someone charging $300 for a book. You're like, why the heck are you charging 300 bucks for a book? They look into it. They're like, oh yeah, I have that very, very specific problem. Oh, this must be a premium book because he's charging $300 for it, but I bet you it solves my problem. They get the book and they go, oh, well, this solution is it's only 97 pages. Huh, maybe there's something here to be learned. They read it, they love it. And now it's like, that's the logic, right? Yeah, and I, I'll prove this. Let me ask you, because you're, you're the type of person that I would want to like sell the $300 the book, book to. Yeah, right. so I've got, let's say that my book, I sell it to you as a solution to whatever problem you're having. You have two options. You have one book here that's 97 pages and it's to the point, no fluff. Then you have a book right here that's a thousand pages and it's filled with stories, filled with a bunch of tons of stuff. Like to solve that one problem right now, if you're going to pay 300 bucks, which book would you want? I'd want the 97 page book. Exactly. I want right, right so, to the point, yeah. You're, see, but you are the type of person like myself and some of those out there listening that are at that level. You, the, the more you pay, the less you want because you want it just now. I want the solution. I don't want to dig through and sift huh. through. That's why if you look at, so like look at like Russell's stuff. Um, I hope this is okay to go into this type of. Oh, yeah, of course, bro. Anything. There's nothing so, else I can say. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so like his 30-day challenge, it is, so who teaches it? Steven, Steven, yeah, Steven. And Julie. what is Steven and what are they magic like magicians at doing? Well, I mean, Steve's a magician at getting people to take action. That's for darn sure. Yelling at them, keep them motivated. Yeah, and and producing gobs of content. Yeah, gobs right? of content. Yeah. So so here's the difference. I'll 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 give you the the difference and share an example of this too. So a person buying the the thirty day ch- or what is it? Uh, one one funnel challenge. challenge. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a hundred bucks or at least yeah, it was. it's hundred bucks. Yeah. They get more for that hundred bucks than pretty much anything I've ever seen before. Right? It's insane. Like, it's, it's stupid. It's more stuff than they could probably ever go through. Um, but that's what they want, right? That's what they expect. Versus, here's here's the flip side of that. When I bought Russell's Inner Circle, um, I probably truthfully wasn't ready for it. I just had this gut instinct that I needed to do it, and uh, I sent a one way wire. And for six months, I I'll, I've told him this before, but I, I'll be honest. I thought I got scammed. <laughs> I got like nothing for six months. I'm like, where's all the stuff? Where's the right. stuff I just bought? Cause I had already gone through everything. Right. So it, I thought I was unlocking this hidden vault of like all this new stuff, but it wasn't. So it wasn't until I went to Boise to the live mastermind yeah. that I realized, wow, that's where I get my ROI. That, right. It's right. That's what you pay for. Exactly. So I paid way more uh, for the inner circle membership and got way less than people could right now in terms of content for uh, the one for all way challenge. However, um, in terms of ROI and the human beings that I surrounded myself with in the inner circle, that was far more valuable over time, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. When I hired my, so I have a coach, you, you know, Katie Richardson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Katie's so, awesome. Katie she's and ben. so awesome. And Kate, Ben and Katie both. Yeah. So Katie's my coach. I hired her for one-on-one. Right. And, um, when I sat down to hire a coach, I was like, all right, I want, like, I know what I want. I want someone that's going to, you know, hold me accountable, yada, yada, all this stuff. I'm hiring my business coach or whatever. So I get on the phone with her and uh, she's like, all right, cool. It's here's the price, whatever. And it was you know, $60,000 for the year. And I was like, sweet. What do I get with it? She goes, one coaching call a week. And I was like, sweet. That's it. That's, I mean, and, and then boxer access to her throughout the week. Right. And I was like, sweet. So I get boxer access. I was like, do I get 
training materials, like videos to watch, handbook, workbook. And, nope, just me. And I'm like, that's insane. And then I paid her $60,000, right? And that, that money, no workbooks, no videos, whatever. That has been the single greatest investment I've ever made in my life. Like hands down, no questions asked because of exactly what you said right there, which is I have a very specific problem. She's like, you don't need anything. I am all you need to solve that problem. Boom. You don't need anything else. Everything else is a distraction. And sure enough, here we are. It's just crazy how that works though. Hey Ben. So you, you completely and utterly went through the same thing as me. And I think for anybody watching that, here's the difference between Josh, myself and all other successful people and people that aren't, we don't go around looking for, you know, to make the right decision. We figure out how to make the decision right. Mm. Because it would have been way easier for us to sit there and be like, I paid you so much and I only got this and nothing's happening, blah, blah, blah. But we decided, no, we made that investment. We're damn sure getting our ROI. Yeah. We figured it out. That's the difference between the $50 and the $300 book buyers too. Yeah. One of the quotes that um, I was, it's not even a, well, maybe it's a quote somewhere, but I was thinking about this last night as I was laying in bed because, you know, I think about quotes to post on Instagram while I lay in bed at night. Yeah. Um, but it was your, your um, inability to make a decision is costing you opportunity. And it's like, when you make a decision, if it feels right, go with it and figure it out. Right? Like, don't be, don't be an idiot. Right? But if you're like, yeah, I think this, like, I think this is what I'm trying to do. You're going to be, we, you're going to be weird anyway. You're an entrepreneur, right? Like when I told my mom that I invested into a $60,000 coach, when I told my extended family, every single one of them, and I love them all to death, every single one of them thought I was absolutely insane. In no way I would get my ROI from that. And like 30 days into it, I'm like, this is incredible, right? Like I'm, they're like, how? There's no, how? And I'm like, because of exactly what you said, I figured out how to get my ROI. I was like, I paid that. Some, if somebody is charging that amount of money for a book and they, they have results, they have success, they have testimonials from other people, right? Some, somewhere, somewhere along the line, what they do works. And you just got to figure out where that is. I love that. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, like we're plagued by people that act kind of like victims because they'll buy a course or they'll buy a program and they'll buy something and then they won't use it or they won't apply it because they'll insert excuse and then they want to blame. And yeah. that's the fastest way to stay stuck. Like here's another example. Uh, when you have skin in the game, just like Josh and I described, like it doesn't even have to be a uh, mastermind, a high, whatever. Um, the uh so i use infusionsoft which i don't whatever <laughs> um confusionsoft too confusionsoft wait do yeah. you use it currently yeah, yeah yeah so i've heard a lot like i guess i've heard people that are using it like if you're like if you know what you're doing and like have someone on your team that like knows how to use it apparently it's pretty cool i mean i i love clickfunnels so i'm never leaving them but you oh know. yeah no it's a separate thing. That's yeah. the thing is it's, it does different things, but yeah, totally different. So I guess the, the point I bring up there is um, they're so expensive. I, I like pay like 1500 bucks a month or something, which is ridiculous. Right. And I hate them for that, but <laughs> I, I also love them for that. Why? Because they give me the best incentive on earth to email my list and to make offers to my list because I have to, because I have so much skin in the game. So I would start looking at stuff that way too, everybody. Like stop like being mad at people for charging you a lot. Like be happy because it gives you an incentive to go and do the crap you need to do. Yeah. I think that's super important to look at too, because when you pay, like I invest high dollar amounts of money into 
only into things that will make me high dollar amounts of money, right? So like, obviously I'm not gonna go spend $60,000 on, I don't know, a couch, right? Or a car or, you know, something like that. I mean, until I'm, you know, Ubers and gobs rich and then I don't care, right? But like, yeah. even, even then though, I don't, I don't think I'd ever spend 60,000 on a couch. Like I'm gonna spend things on things that make me money. And a lot of people, think, oh, if I'm going to invest, I'm investing into real estate or I'm investing into a business that's going to, this, but they, they miss, hey, like sometimes that investment is either A, into yourself or it's into something like for you with Infusionsoft that will force you to take action. A lot of times it has nothing to do with the skill set or the, how smart you are. It's simply, are you committed to taking an action in that direction consistently to get that result? I love that. Yeah. And Part of it is being intentional about what you're doing too. Like yeah. you shouldn't just blindly join a mastermind or blindly buy a course <laughs> if it doesn't fit your, your bigger goals. Yeah. Right. How did the dream 100 come about? Oh man. So, all right. So the dream 100 changed my life just like it did you. Like, like insanity. Russell is my Steven. Like same story probably. Um, but basically I discovered the dream 100. I, I heard Russell. So one time in a podcast years and years ago, talk about it. And then he talked about this guy named Chet Holmes. And then uh, I went into, I got Chet Holmes book, the ultimate sales machine. I read uh, the chapter on the dream 100 and I was absolutely floored. I said, wow, there's a name for the thing that I've always done. Um, Stamming back to childhood, even like when I was a kid, you know, this growing up rurally in Indiana, probably, um, you know, we didn't have high speed internet. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, kids, it used to actually be rough a little bit, you know. Like um, Friday, Friday morning, it was like, all right, guys, pick out the video we're gonna watch on YouTube tonight because we're gonna start loading it at nine a.m. And yeah. by seven p.m., ten hours later, that twelve-minute video would be done loading. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Um. But yeah. So when I was a little kid, like I, I, I knew I, I was like. I don't know, 14, 15. I knew I wanted to be doing internet business, but I, I like couldn't compete with the, the people that had the high speed internet. So right. I went on my bike and I dream 100 did it. And I went to all my neighbors that I could bike to. And I said, because I kept calling the internet or the telephone company. And I said, can you guys get me high speed internet? Like, no, sorry. There's just not enough demand in your area. So then finally, after calling enough, I realized, well, I should go create the demand. So I dream 100 did it. I went to all my neighbors. I got them to sign this piece of paper that said, Hey, if they offer high speed internet, will you take it? And they're like, sure. I, and I got like 11 out of 12. The, the 12th guy, I think asked me what the internet was. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe, maybe like ethically, let's not get you on this list. But, um, yeah. So then the next time I called the internet or the phone company, I said, Hey, you get, can you bring internet to, to me? And they're like, no, Dana, sorry. Again, there's not demand. I'm like, hold your horses. <laughs> other people ready to sign up. And then bam, within a month, I had a line out there, high speed internet. But basically uh, how I got into the now professionally, the dream hunter is after reading that chapter on, on the dream hunter, I, I knew like that was my thing I needed to, to sort of do more of. So I searched all over and there was just no more information on it. Did you so, come up with the name dream 100 or no? No, I've, no. I've been trying to chase, trace that back um, as far as I could. And I believe Chet Holmes coined it. I believe he did way, way, way back, but um, from everyone I could see, but I just created all of the, the, like the dreamer book and everything else, just because it simply wasn't there. And I just yeah. knew more people needed more. Huh? Yeah. The dream 100 guys, and we've talked about this before and I, I want to go into this a little bit more because the dream 100 is the missing element 
for so many people's businesses. And it is the thing, peop, I, I think, and I want you to touch on this specifically. I think people don't, don't understand the difference between the Dream 100 and affiliates. Yep. So this is PG-13, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, the, so affiliates are people looking for one-night stands. All they care about is, do you look good? Do you have money? Do you have an audience? You know, is this going to be fun once? And then if somebody comes along with anything better than you, they'll dump you in a second for that next hit. Dream 100 is a marriage where there's a value exchange that goes on forever. And you guys are constantly scratching each other's backs. And you're there when you need each other. And even better, Dream 100, in my opinion, is polygamous marriage. It's many marriages. Okay? It's not <laughs> just one. It's, it's 100 marriages. Okay. <laughs> That's the difference. Oh, man. There's so many things I could joke about right there, but I'm going to hold my tongue. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the big things that I'm curious to know how, how Russell Brunson has changed your life. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to tell a quick story about Steve and my relationship with him. And then I want you to kind of tell, and maybe, maybe you have a better story than Russell with somebody else. Pick your person. Um, Steve with me. So for those of you that don't know, Steve Larson and I are, are pretty, pretty darn good friends now. Um, and I have never once asked Steve to promote my product. I have never once asked, I've never once asked Steve for anything, quite frankly. Um, and I started Dream 100 ing Steve right after he left ClickFunnels. So he was not even big yet when I started. And that relationship, and you guys know how big Steve is now, I ran all of his social media at cost for six months. I showed up a day early to his event to help him set up. I promoted his stuff when he didn't ask. I promoted his group. I mean, everything, right? Like just became a complete, not a creepy fanboy, but a, a intentional supporter to where Steve couldn't look about around at, the people in his audience and not see me. And then I took it one step further, which I believe is the secret key to the dream 100. It's how I got Russell. It, and it's, is I became friends with their friends, right? So I became friends with Colton. I became friends with, uh, you know, Marie and that, that friendship was already there. Marie, if you're listening, I didn't just do it to get you next year. Brother. <laughs> um, but like I became friends with all of them around that through that, even though Steve, Steve has never promoted my stuff. Steve has never sent an email to his list about you know, my products or anything like that. But the association that I have had with Steve now, Steve talking about me in his podcast, Steve talking about me when he talks about his Facebook group, Steve talking about me on stage has brought me at least like bare minimum $100,000 in sales. I mean, probably significantly more than that, right? But like at least that has been a six-figure relationship. Now, on top of that, I have learned at every single step of the way because I've watched his business grow. I've watched him evolve. I've gotten to see the behind the scenes of his stuff because I've been intentional and because I got close. And then not only that relationship, guess who Steve's next to? Steve is also good friends with Russell. So now I have a key piece there to my next piece. And it's been two years that I've been doing this. Most people aren't patient enough. They just want it now. And it's like, I mean, I told Steve the story of this. At Funnel Hacking Live, I probably had 20 people come up to me and ask me if they could, I could introduce them to Steve because they knew I was friends with them. I was like, no, I work for that relationship. <laughs> like, I'm not about to just hand that over to you. So that's how Steve changed my life, right? Simply that association, the credibility, the association, the, the, everything that went with that. What was it like for you and Russell or insert your person here? What did that progression look like? 
Yeah, dude, I love that, by the way. that um, That's what something I, I should have said earlier is, guys, Josh is really good at Dream 100-ing. Like, and I don't say that lightly, okay? Because I can judge. I, I'm a pretty good judge of that. Um, <laughs> he's really good, really good. So follow what he says. Um, so for me, yeah, similar uh, with Russell, uh, I think a few of the key things, first of all, uh, most people are not willing to put in the work to build that relationship. And part of that is contributing value to that person, to that person's audience is a great place to do it. I did the same thing in the ClickFunnels community for, for forever. Um, <laughs> I, I gave a ton of value with no, no strings attached. That's the thing too, is like Josh didn't just do something for Steve and then expect Steve to do something back. Because the problem with that is, and that's the part of the Dream 100 is the value exchange, but it has to be uh, with no like uh, no agenda, no expectation, uh, because you'll get burnt out. Because if if Josh spent that you know two years, the same two years um, of work you put into it, and then he got nothing back uh, from Steve whatsoever, Steve never mentioned him, Steve ignored him, Steve blah blah blah, it would be really exhausting right? Like it would burn you out from doing it. And there are people out there that will do that, by the way. So expect it, but it's a numbers game. So uh, I would say Josh went all in, all in on Steve, like I did with Russell and uh, another critical piece to the puzzle that Josh already uh, brought up, but I'll double down on it is um, getting close to uh, what I call the people that influence them. So in their circles. So Josh talked about Colton, same with me. I'm very good friends with Colton. I love Colton. I yeah, always, Colton's awesome. I, whenever I see him, I go up right up to him and I ask him, can you get me some ketones? Those are those crazy <laughs> guys, you guys drink and they make me go crazy. So get me some. But um, anyway, so for, for Russell, it's kind of funny. I think she wouldn't care me about me saying this, but uh, Melanie, his executive assistant, I got very close with and I befriended and I got to know what she likes and gave her, you know, gift cards and this. And it's not for the reason to just have access to Russell, but it was to see where and, where and how I could help. Yeah. Right. Just like Josh did. Josh, Josh helped at events. I, I try to do the same thing. I went out to visit them and, and did copy for them for free. Like uh, when they did a launch. And um, the funny part is Colton's very likable, by the way. Colton's um, gosh, Colton Woods. I love you, dude. <laughs> same bro. Seriously. Um, and uh, but Melanie is, is like the perfect uh, EA where um, somebody has to be the bad guy. And, and she does it really well. So um, I can remember being at an inner circle event and uh, I remember one of my friends in the inner circle, uh, this was years ago and I'm not, you know, um, I'll never say who it was, but they, uh, they asked for something. Like, I don't know if it was a video or something from Russell and, and they had asked Melanie and, and she said no, just for whatever reason. Um, and I remember they came back to me and they were frustrated and they're like, gosh, she's such a bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you are playing this game so wrong. Yeah. Like you are playing it so wrong. You know, like I'm going to get such a higher, higher ROI from this, the same amount that I spent just because I'm playing the game right. And I'm treating them well and kind. And even if they say no, you take it like a man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, Oh, are you still there? No, I'm good. Sorry. Okay. okay. So what, one of the things that, uh, you mentioned there is playing the game. Steve and I just boxed about this the other day and he goes, Josh, the reason that I get along with you, the reason we're friends, the reason that you'll be friends with people like Russell, like Dana, like, you know, insert whoever it is here. It's because you play the game. We play the game. And he goes, most people don't play the game. They're here to make a buck. And one of the things that I think is interesting is when you, 
you look at sports, it's literally called a game, right? But sports is just an industry, right? It is, it is a business. It is for profit. The players are assets, right? I mean, and when you look at it that way and you go, okay, sports, football, I'm, I'm a big football fan, by the way. I'm, I'm a New England Patriots fan. Um, my boy Brady left. Did you see Rob Gronkowski just came out of retirement and re-signed yes, with the Bucks? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, listen, listen. I'm a huge Patriots fan, but I'm also a Brady Gronk fan. So I'm, I'm happy both ways. But when you look at marketing and you look at whatever industry you're in and you go, oh, this is a game as well. It is, football's called it. This is not. But like, let's, pretend, like, let, let's look at this as a game. And yes, there's not games that we go and we play, but we play our own game every single day. Like you have the choice to sit on the sidelines. You have the choice to show up to the, you know, show up to the games, be a spectator, right? Feel like you're part of the game or you can go be a player of the game. And most people are sitting on the sidelines. Most people, not even on the sidelines, most people are sitting in the stands. And what the Dream 100 does is when you play it right, and you elevate it, you pull yourself off to the sidelines, you put yourself into the game, and you become a player. And like, you could be a rookie that has never caught a football before, but if you're on the Patriots team, or now Tampa Bay, you're still playing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady knows who you are, right? And like, you get to control that in this game. Is you get to elevate, and yeah, you've got to elevate your own life. Yeah, you've got to level up. Like, guess what? When I first started Dream 100 doing Russell Brunson, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. But as I was intentional, as I started growing, as I started doing, like I grew with it and I was like, oh, that's what happens there. Oh, that's what we do there. Oh, that's what we do there. Same thing with Steve. And it like that puts you into the game. And I just like, I love it when, like, you can tell when people play the game. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell when people are serious about it. Absolutely. 100%. And I, I think the, the biggest, uh, like, biggest eye opener that you just gave everybody that, about playing the game is as soon as you get on the field, it doesn't matter if you're the best on the field, you're still on the field with everybody else. Right. Right. So by association, you have instantly lifted yourself. So the fact that Josh gets Russell and, or Steven or whomever as a guest on his show, all of a sudden you can leverage that as an asset to get the next person and then, right. to, you know, to, to use that as credibility. So yeah, you got to get in the game for sure. <laughs> yeah. You got to get in the game. All right. Um, I want to be respectful of your time here. We're coming up on it here. We have a few minutes left. What's next for you, dude. I, first off you're 29, not 49, which just blows my mind. Okay. Maybe I didn't think 49, but I thought like 40, if I had to guess, I would have guessed 40, maybe wow. 39. So you, you've got a decade more of your life than I thought you had. You're only 29. You're killing it. You're a goat farmer. Um, which by the way, you have uh, what kind of goats you got? Um, I've got a mix. I've got um, mostly Nigerian dwarfs. Okay. So when I grew up on our farm, we had, I think our peak was like 30 goats, something like that. 30, Dang, 32 goats. That's no yeah. joke. Yeah. We had, we had a lot of them. Um, we had um, Nubians though. And we, oh, milk, we milked dude, them, dude. Dude, you had giant ones. We had big ones and we milked them. We had, at one point we had, I think it was, I know for sure six, but I want to say eight. It was either six or eight milking goats. Every day, twice a day, we were milking those suckers. We were pumping like six, seven gallons of milk a day out of those, out of those Guys, uh, goats. If you don't know, um, for if you're not goat um, familiar on the lingo, there, uh, like my goats, I only have five, and they're pretty small. They're like the size of dogs. Uh, Josh had thirty, and they were the size of 
pretty small horses. Yeah, like like a miniature horse almost. Yeah, yeah. They're not quite that thick, but they were they were. But we bred them. We had you know baby goats the whole night. Dude, we have some crazy stories. I'm sure we could go. Actually, we we have time for a story. Can we, we want to go into a story? I want to hear a goat story it. from you. Okay, absolutely. But so we we have this barn right, and the barn sits up in the front. So our, our my my parents' field. Like they own 22 acres and it's divided into like four fields, right? And so the house and the barn are on the front field and then the pasture is the field right behind it. But there's like this long, like long walkway that the goats will walk up to to get actually up into the pasture. Well, in the wintertime, like it's Indiana, you know, it gets freezing cold in the Midwest, right? And so we had, we had a negative 30 degrees or something like that with wind chill one, one winter time and the goats are pregnant. So we have them in the barn, they're about to get birth. And we ended up having to bring the goats inside of our house because it was so cold. So we literally had goats giving birth in my parents' basement as we were, you know, going through and doing all this. And I will tell you that experience of like, you know, three o'clock in the morning, having to get up, warm up milk on the stove because, you know, like going down there, feed them a bottle at two or three days old. It is absolutely insane. That will teach you life lessons that nothing else can teach you. It's insane. Amen. Amen. I mean, if, if, most people's problems are not problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, my, my favorite is, dude, it's so similar. That's crazy. We have very similar lives. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so uh, it was last winter or two winters ago, and uh, I was hosting an event. It was late February, and it was like one of those Arctic blasts. So it was like negative 30, like what you were describing. Yeah. And my problem is uh, I had one male that I didn't, um, neuter and oh, no. they don't, they don't ask permission to, you know, have, have kids or whatever. So, um, we didn't know. And then the, the goat that was pregnant, we didn't know was pregnant cause she was kind of fat anyway. So I was like, you know, whatever. So anyway, I get up, I'm hosting a major event. People had flew all over from all over the world. I got to host it. Um, I go to feed them, do my normal thing. And then one of them didn't come to the feeder, uh, which, always means that they're dead. Like that's the, only yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. Right? Like, goats are going to eat. Right. So, so I'm like, great. This is 100%. awesome timing. Yep. So I, I do the, the, the right thing as a good husband. And I, I left and I tell my wife, you got to deal with that. Oh right? no. <laughs> yeah. So I get, I get to my office and I'm like trying to ignore that. And she's FaceTiming like crazy. I'm like, Oh God, sorry guys. Can I take this? And I look and she's in the little pen and there's two little baby goats that she's showing me that oh, were yeah. born literally in the in that Arctic blast. And then, um, long story short, she took them to the vet because they were, you know, kind of cold and scary. But they they survived. Two weeks later, their ears fell off, and we were like, "Oh my God, what happened? Like, did they get attacked? No, they were they had frostbite from when they were born. So um, to this day, they're still healthy and happy. They got little nubs for ears, but they're, they're doing awesome. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. (laughs) Okay. So what's next for you? You, you have this, these, these goats, you're a copywriter, like what's the next step in your business? What, what's next for Dana? Man. Um, so this is kind of a secret side project. Do you want the secret side project? Of course. I think you'll dig this. Um, so this isn't like launched or anything. So everybody, please don't like broadcast this or, or try and rip it off. Um, don't but, worry. Only a few thousand people will listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you can try and funnel hack this, but there's really nothing to hack. There's no funnel. So be my guest. But um, anyway, uh, so one thing I want to get into is kind of a passion project is, um, so I, I've, 
I'm sure you too, like we were lucky enough to grow up, grow up with animals and I didn't, I kind of underestimated how valuable they are for our like kind of mental health. Yeah. Mental for sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I, uh, became, I had this crazy idea to launch a, so therapy farm or, or like therapy assisted animals or animal assisted therapy is like a really big thing right now. And it's really awesome for especially kids. Yeah. For kids. Um, yeah. yeah. And I realized that there's a little sub market there that cannot have access to animals. So either the kid is too sick or um, they just can't afford it or they don't have logistical access to an animal. So I realized, wow, why don't I take my tech and online skills and, and create a virtual an animal therapy farm? So I went uh -huh. and I invested in domain name therapyfarm.com and uh, we're going to launch a virtual therapy farm where kids that are sick or just need it can uh, link up with farmers that have animals and they can do virtual therapy sessions. That's and, so cool. Yeah. It's going to be free forever for the kids. And uh, we already have some pilot pilot, uh, you know, kids doing it with my goats and with some other farmers and it's freaking awesome, man. That's so cool. Congratulations, man. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate it. What's next for you on the business front? All right. So the business front, um, so we just dialed in. Um, so we, our core product, we've got a lot of front end stuff, books and all that, but our core product is the dream Hunter launch program. Um, and it's kind of the, like the crash course on how to dream 100. And, and I give you a lot of like, I, there's mentoring coaching in there and all that stuff. And one thing we just are in the beta of launching that is killing it is the biggest problem. I want your opinion if you agree with this or not. Okay. All right. I, I do you like, I think the biggest problem with dream hunting is the actual act of doing it. Cause it's not something that's like a fire that comes in your face and it's like, or it's something that like a Facebook, you can just press go on. Right. Like yeah. so people's problem is that it's not that they don't get it. It's that they don't do it. Would you kind of agree there? Yeah. I think, I think, I think along with that, it was like, I think people, they know what to do. They know, understand it in concept, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know where to start with it. Mm. And it's, it's like one of those things. It's like, well, since there's no, yeah, like you said, there's no button online where I can just go in and log into my account and hit submit order. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and off it goes. Then yeah, I, I'd say so. Right. Okay. Awesome. And I know with your agency background, you probably appreciate this too. So we blended it and and we we looked at ourselves in the mirror, which all of us should always do all the time. And we realized like in order to get people really really obnoxious awesome results like Josh and I have, they have to have the level of uh, output and the level of implementation. So we actually launched a done for you piece. So we actually do the dream 104 people. We've got a team trained. Oh, that's it is, cool. We're like in our second week and it is destroying. Like people are getting responses in, in minutes, hours. It's, it's amazing. And the thing is too, it's like people do dream on her, but they on their own, but they really are spam 100 ing more than yeah. dream 100 ing I'm sure yeah. you've been on the receiving end of that. Oh, so yeah. the, the thought that goes into the way we do it and in the, in the way Josh did with Steven is a completely different outcome. That's a completely different strategy and, and campaign than um, yeah. trying to just figure it all out, you know? Yeah, that's super cool. Oh, man, I, I, I don't have to hit you up afterwards. We'll have to talk. Um, oh, yeah. And, oh, that's, that's a really good idea. That's, I like that a lot. The thing about Dream 100 is, is like, it's not, like, you just have to be intentional, right? Like, did, did, do you know what, do you know what, so, do you know what I got, uh, Dave, for the Dream 100? Did you see what I sent him? This was, I don't know, six months ago. What? I sent him the flamethrower. You sent that? Yeah, that was my Dream 100 gift to Dave. Yeah. 
so I, so how that, how that came about is I knew Dave wanted a flamethrower because he kept talking about it, right? And he would like hint at it and thought it was so cool. And then when I got my Elon Musk flamethrower, yeah. I got in trouble because I walked out and did it in the parking lot. And the freaking, the maintenance dude at my apartment complex called the cops because he said I wasn't able to do it on their property. So I left the property and then he followed me to the park on his golf cart as I was literally doing, it was hilarious. Anyway, so David tuned in, Todd tuned in, I think Russell watched it. So this big, it got thousands and thousands and thousands of views. So ever since then, Dave starts kind of talking that he wants a flamethrower. And then Julie Stowian one day posts, this is back when she was with ClickFunnels, and was like, I kid you not, Dave just walked into the, the, the marketing meeting today. He stands up and he goes, that's it. I just need a flamethrower. I'm going to just burn something. And at that point, I was like, I've got it. That, so I went, I literally took it out. I don't know, it was costing me like 1500 bucks for that flamethrower or whatever, 1000 bucks, whatever it was. So I sent it to him and that flamethrower like got me in at ClickFunnels. And so that was Dave. And then with Russell, like it, it's the little things, right? Like I would have never known to send Dave a flamethrower unless I was paying attention to him. And then with Russell, Dude, you know how hard it is to buy something for a guy that's the CEO of a billion dollar company? Like the dude has the money to do whatever he wants. And you know how many gifts that he gets every single day? Like everybody wants his attention. How do you buy something? Like how do you buy a gift for someone like that? Like you gotta be so intentional. And so like, and I've told this story before I went, it was at Offermind last year, Steve's event. I see Russell. We strike up a conversation. As he's getting ready to leave, I walk up to him. I was like, hey man, I got a quick question for you. Hypothetically speaking, he cuts me off right there. After I say hypothetically speaking, he goes, I'm about to get pitched. And I was like, what? No, that's not at all what I'm trying to do, Russell. I'm so sorry. Like, no. I was like, hypothetically, if I wanted to dream 100 you, like, what, what do you like? Like, because I, I have, yeah, I had no idea. And all he said to me was old books. And then he like got on the elevator and he went down. So like, there was what I had to go off of. And so like, I got creative and I thought about it. I was like, okay, he's a Mormon. He likes old books. Like what? I was like, okay, what if I got him an original copy of the book of Mormon? Turns out those aren't cheap, <laughs> right? So like you go through and months I was bidding on eBay till I finally got original copy, like has a spelling error in it from the printing press days of like that bound everything. That's a couple thousand dollar book. And I kept losing, kept losing. I finally got one down in, the, it was less than a grand, but it was still up there, right? That I, and I've been on it for months. I finally went, sent it to him. And that's the first time he put me on his Instagram story, right? And well, he was, was that, so the day he took off working to read that, was that you that sent him it? Not the first time. So this was this past Christmas that I sent it to him. Dude, first of all, that is so epic and next level. It, isn't it though? I, I was wow. very proud of that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So it's um, like, it's one of those things where you just gotta be super intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, so first of all, guys, when I said Josh is really good at this, he's proven it. So uh, <laughs> the other piece is, yeah, and it's like you get intentional by listening and asking, right? Like most people are way too scared to ask Russell that, right? Like way too scared. Um, and I actually, we're, dude, we are shockingly similar. Watch this. So uh, I, I remember Dave too. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I was watching uh, one of his son's uh, lives. I think it was Chandler maybe. And uh, Dave had just worked out or something. I just got out of the cryostone. I was like super sore. His legs were like ridiculously sore or something. So I went and found this and he was talking. And, and then I asked Chandler, um, what would be something epic that I could like get your dad for workout recovery? And he's like, well, he's been talking about this thing. And he like, sends me an Amazon link. It's a thousand dollar, like doohickey for his legs to put in or whatever. And I bought it, sent it to him. Like the day he got it, sends me a huge Voxer, like, you know, like thanking me and all that. And it's just so easy, you guys, if you take a second to listen and ask, you know? 
And the RO, like people are so afraid to part with that thousand bucks. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. It's like, could potentially go south, but it's like, okay, if you had the opportunity where you had a 50, 50 shot and it's higher than 50, 50, right? It really, really is. Like if, if you're like just halfway intentional with it, but if you had a 50, 50 shot, you buy in at a thousand dollars, right? But the upside, if you win, your homies with Russell, your homies with Dave, your homie, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, all right, I'll shoot my shot once. And if I don't win this time, I'll buy it again. Whoop-de-doo, I've won now, right? Like I've, I've increased my odds to hundred percent. Like the, the ROI on a thousand dollar relationship, right? The R or a thousand dollars is just insane, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to take the time to go and do it. And it's like, if you're struggling in your business, like don't do it if you're, you got nothing to offer, right? Like if you're a complete nobody and have, you know, like build up a little bit, be intentional. But like, I didn't ask if it, I dream 100 Russell for almost two years before I sent him my first gift. Like, think about that, right? There's way more ways to dream 100 people than just sending gifts. So Absolutely. anyway, I want to be, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, sorry to double down on that. No, you're how, much money, how much money did it cost you to go help Steven at his event, right? Yeah, well, I had to actually rebook my flight. So whatever the couple $100 rebooking fee to go in a day early, extra night at the hotel room. So I don't know, 500 bucks. Yeah. Like, and, or I'll ask you again, like how much did it cost you to go give value to his community? Nothing. So come on guys. There's, there's nothing stopping you. Yeah. There's not, there's so many ways to get people's attention. And, and everyone's like, Russell, Josh, why are you such a Russell fanboy? I'm like, I'm a Russell fanboy because that man changed my freaking life. Right? Like I can be I'd a rather, <laughs> I'd way rather be a Russell fanboy and be weird and have uh, everything I want. Uh, then sit there and act cool and be too good to fanboy. Well, and, and my whole thing is like, you got to choose your dream 100 wisely. There's a reason mm -hmm. I dream 100 Russell Brunson and not Grant Cardone. Oh man. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we won't go, we won't go down that rabbit hole, but just, you know, pick, pick the people you're, the people you dream 100 massively influence your life. Yes. Like Please. massively. And when you do, by the way, so for those that are going to um, dream 100 Josh or whomever, like I, I read through your um, core values. I still got them up on my screen. I love and agree with every single one of those. So Josh is a person that I would love to dream 100 back or back and forth with because his core values match mine, right? Talking about guys that don't, don't waste your time on them. Even if you can get access to, you know, something from them, their people aren't going to be people you want to be around. Yeah. A hundred percent. You, you pick, you get to design your circle of influence by the people that you dream 100. And I looked at click funnels and I was like, yep, I like that. Yep. Those are good people. You know, like, yep. Th those are people that I want in my life. Those are people I want to be more like. And the last thing I'll say on this, and then I, I do want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> um, but like the last thing I'll say on this is don't devalue what you bring to the table. And like, don't devalue yourself. Like, yes, Russell, Steve, me, Dana, for most people work, like Russell's going to have a way higher leverage point than I do. So I've got to bring it up to that level. However, I'm not devaluing myself in the process. I am not wrapping up my identity in whether or not Russell responds to me or not. Because listen, Russell and I are friends more. I mean, like first name ish acquaintances, right? Like we're, I wouldn't say we're homies by any means yet, but like we, I box, or we, we go back and forth on Instagram. We send each other messages or whatnot, but like I've sent muscle so many times when he won't get back to me. But if I were to get wrapped up in that, or I'd be like, Oh my gosh, she hates me. Or oh my, like 
you're devaluing your own. You don't need them. You, you need to live your own life. You need to do your own thing. You need to be on your own path. And you're trying to align those two. You're not changing you to impress somebody else. I think that's super important because like what I see a lot of people doing is they try to, they're like, oh yeah, I'm totally this. It's like, no, Russell doesn't need you to be more like him. Russell doesn't, I don't need you to be more. We need you to be you. And we need to show, we need you to show us how you bring value. I'm not changing my messaging to impress Russell. I'm showing Russell how my messaging benefits him. There's a big, huge difference. So, so good. Oh man. And uh, for those of you out there that are nervous about Dream 100 which is natural, uh, I look at a guy like Josh and I would say, you know what, Josh, most 20, like, first of all, blinders, because most 26 year olds are just not even on the same wavelength as you. So you like that's Appreciate already, that. but um, even further looking at even a guy like Russell at 26 wasn't where you are, right? You got to remember that. So when you have that moment of insecurity, remember that like Colonel Sanders didn't start KFC till he was like in his sixties. Yeah. Right? Like Warren Buffett fifties, like where you are is where you're supposed to be, but you can definitely influence the outcome by getting intentional and doing the things Josh and I have told you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Dana, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and your time. Um, Pleasure. I want to get to rapid fire questions super quick because we do those to end everything, but really quick, where can people find out more about you? Pitch yourself, drop some links. We'll put them in the description. Um, best starting point. If you don't know anything about me and you want to get in on some of this crazy stuff we're talking about, go to, uh, Go get a copy of the truth about business. Oh gosh. Wow. You <laughs> sorry guys. He just switched cameras on me and he's like way up in my face. No, I'm good. <laughs> sorry. <Continue. laughs> um, sorry. Surprise. Um, yeah, go to the truth about business, uh, book. Um, this is everything not to do in business. Um, you can get it on Amazon or there's a dollar digital copy available. Just Google it. Josh will give you a link, whatever. We'll put that um, down below. That would be definitely the, the place to start for sure. Cool. Guys, we'll, we'll, we'll drop that link down below. And I'll also drop a link to his Facebook profile and you can kind of stalk him from there. Um, be good to go. All right, Dana, you ready for some rapid fire questions? We'll wrap it up here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rapid fire question number one. What is one bucket list item that you want to do in your life that you have not yet done? Uh, crap. Um, I want to have a ranch in Texas. I have a ranch in Texas. All right. Uh, what is your dream car or vehicle to drive? Um, I, I think I kind of have it. It's a Dodge Challenger. That's your dream. That's your dream one. You like, you like that Dodge I'm, Challenger? Dude, I'm simple. Yeah. All right. Dodge Challenger it is. All right. Um, if you had the chance to go to outer space, would you go to outer space? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. A lot of people, a lot of people say yes, but uh, we, we've had more and more people start to say no. I would totally do it, by the way. Um, favorite airline to fly? I hate flying, but I'm Delta first class all day long. Delta first class all day long. Um, key to making money in one or two sentences. Understanding the numbers and surrounding yourself with people that will help you level up. All right. And then last question. We asked this to everybody that comes on the show. It's a deep question, so get ready for it. Fast forward to the end of your life, you're on your deathbed, all your money, success, fame, impact is all gone, vanished, disappeared. However, every single person that you have touched in your life and impacted either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message and word of advice. What is that message? You know, just casually your legacy, no big deal. Um, be kind. 
be kind. Two words. You know, I, I did talk about, I would have long form copy on my gravestone. Like I would have a <laughs> really, really tall one that with like strong call to actions and stuff. But um, yeah, on the spot, I'm just going to go with be kind. Be kind, not www.whatwouldsaydanasdayhunterdeathbed.com. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a better idea. I'll just put a URL, be kind. And then it's a whole, yeah. All, all your life <laughs> lessons. I love it. I love it. Dana, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Amen. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. Dana Derricks, everybody. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.